Well, good morning, everyone. And for those who are watching online, welcome to you too. And hopefully, in the near future, you'll be able to join us in person. It's really great for me to see real faces in front of me again. You know, for the last year and a half, I've been speaking into a webcam and a flat screen monitor. So it, I really miss seeing all of you. And I've gained a new appreciation for actually in real time seeing your responses to me when I speak. And I have to admit, I can now appreciate some of you nodding off during my message to you. <laughs> so prepare, for us to prepare for our, uh, God's word this morning, let me pray for us and bless this time. Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to gather to, go, to worship as a church family. I know you are pleased to see your church together again. Bless our time now as we hear what it means to be the church. Open our hearts and minds to your word. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Amen. Well, for the last few months, all of you have known that we have been in the book of Ephesians. And we've named this series, A Whole New World. Now, when the staff was brainstorming and trying to think of a, a cute name to call our, our sermon series, two songs came to my mind. And, and one of them you are probably familiar with because it comes from that Disney movie, Aladdin. I know how many of you have seen that movie? Yeah, quite a few. So in that, in that movie, do you remember the scene where Aladdin takes Jasmine on that magic carpet ride? And right in the middle of that, that ride, they jump into the song, A Whole New World, where Aladdin is showing the princess a, a world outside of the palace walls full of splendor and wonder. Well, the Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians was likewise calling the church to a whole new world that is the kingdom of God. Today, I want to pick a few important takeaways for us from Ephesians, especially in light of our church returning to in-person services and events. For the last year and a half, our church has essentially been in the pause mode. And as we are opening up again, we're going to have to stretch those, those muscles that have been latent for and dormant for these past year and a half, and maybe even atrophied. Now, just resuming where we left off is not likely to happen, but possibly a whole new beginning will take place. As we leave our self-imposed hibernation due to the pandemic, we need to refamiliarize ourselves with our God-given purpose as a church community that I think might be even greater than our own individual salvations alone. I'm not saying our salvation is not important, but it doesn't stop there, but part of a bigger plan that God has for us together as his body, as his church. Something I share with our staff team many times, over and over again, whatever we do, let's do it together. Whether we fail or succeed, we're in it together, all for one, one for all. That's a high value for me, but wouldn't that be amazing if that was true for our whole church? Imagine what kind of church we could be if we commit to doing this. And every week, we 
we recite our mission statement. Danny just did that during community lifetime. And why do we repeat it week after week? Because our ability to remember what we hear is so poor. Studies show that after one hour, we retain only half of what we heard. After 24 hours, we forget 70% of it. And after a week, like by next Sunday, 90% of what I say this morning is gone. As a pastor who preaches and teaches, that's pretty discouraging. But that's practical reality. It's just not what we hear, but how often we hear it. Last week, I had a chance to um, hang out with a good friend who happens to be one of my mentors. And we had a great time sharing insights and pearls to each other. And one thing that he reminded me is that pastors and leaders need to set and develop culture. As we are restarting church, it would be good to be on the same page together to share, discuss common values and purpose for all of us to establish the kind of culture we want at CLC. Our mission at Christian Layman is to make disciples who love God, love people, and serve the world. Now, that sounds good, but how do we know if we're doing it right? How do we know if we're on the right track, on point, for the kind of culture we want here? If you carefully analyze our mission statement, it is stated in the insider active person voice perspective. But what does it look like to an outsider from the receiving end? That's why for the perspective that I just mentioned, it is helpful to know three things we want to happen at CLC. We often say this here. God to be seen, people to feel loved, and lives to be changed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's the new world we want to live out as a church. And that will also be my roadmap for my message this morning. Combining our mission statement with these three things we want to see happen, we get my main idea. Love God for God to be seen. Love people for people to feel loved. And serve the world for lives to be changed. So let's go over each part one by one. First, in our whole new world, we are to love God for God to be seen. From Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19, the, the scripture verses will be shown to you. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along at home. So from Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19, starting with verse 14, the Apostle Paul prays this for the church. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be, take note here, filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And, and why do we repeat it week after week? And, and, and you know, that's why for us to, to, to see this scripture 
Paul prays two specific things. He wants us to learn a certain attitude that we need to be able to love him. And then the first one is that we may have Christ dwell in our hearts. And then the, the, the second thing he, he prays for us is that we be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So the ways that we, we prepare ourselves to love God so that God can be seen is when we practice spiritual disciplines. And here, Paul is practicing the discipline of prayer. Now, a lot of us play sports, right? And people know what kind of sport that we're playing when we practice. When we're out shooting hoops or doing layup drills, people know you're playing basketball. And here, when people see followers of Christ praying, they know what kind of sport they're playing. They actually make God be seen as their time when they're praying. It is kind of this thing where when, when we're in the world, people are always watching. And our faith is one of the things they're testing us for. And when we love God, we will practice these spiritual disciplines for us on our own accord to love God, to know God. But also there is the effect that others can see this, and it influences them too. And, and when I'm talking about prayer, it doesn't have to be complicated. It happens when, when you're at a restaurant and you're sitting with your friends and you say grace or blessing over the meal before you eat. The wait staff and the other customers see that and they hear that. And that is a powerful witness and a testimony of the faith that we have. And you can do this even at your homes when you have family or friends over and you bless the meal by simply saying grace, prayer, and you're demonstrating to the world who you worship and you make God real. From Genesis, a lot of us know that we have been created in the image of God. And we are supposed to look like God. And we find in, in um, Ephesians 5, I think it's verse 1, the Apostle Paul tells us that we're to be imitators of God, that we are to be God-like, that our words and our actions are supposed to look like Jesus. And the more and more we do that, as the more and more that we fill ourselves, as the scripture tells us here, with the fullness of God, then we should resemble to the world more like Jesus. That's an amazing testimony to the God we worship. First, we love God for God to be seen. And next, we love people for people to feel loved. Many of us think we know how to love others, but it isn't just what we think, but what others feel too. We must be sensitive to the recipients of our, of our intentions. We have to ask often this question of ourselves, do they actually feel loved? Relationships are a two-way street because what we think is loving them may actually not be. It's important to figure out their love language, to listen and observe, to know them best. 
my wife is different from me. And I am so thankful for that. Praise God for that. And, you know, personally, my love language is I like to receive gifts. So in my simple mind, I think everybody should be like that. Now, when we were dating, one of my first birthday gifts to her was one of those portable car tire inflators. No, very practical, very good, handy thing to have in your car. Obviously, I did not get the reaction or the response or appreciation that was expected. Thankfully, at least my mother-in-law-to-be credited me for at least thinking about Terry's safety. So that was encouraging. Now, I'm not saying my wife doesn't like to get gifts, but her preference is words of affirmation. And I know she loves to save the cards and notes that I have written over the years, appreciating her and loving her. To love someone means to defer to their preference and not yours. For people to feel loved, we must be ready to do what Ephesians 5 verse 21 tells us to do. And verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is hard to do consistently, but critical for unity to happen, especially in the whole new world that is the kingdom of God, which is represented by the church. Mutual submission requires feeling secure in our position with Jesus. Verse 21 calls this reverence for Christ. And the more secure we are in Christ, the more emotionally healthy we can be. Because when we totally trust Jesus, we can give up control. If we cannot give up control, we will have a tough time submitting to others. Following verse 21, Paul proceeds to teach us about radical new ways to love one another. Relationships like wives and husbands, children and parents, slaves and masters, probably more relevant to us today, bosses and workers. In this whole new world that is the kingdom of God, mutual submission is expected, but not always the norm in those relationships I just listed, whether back in biblical times or even today. For most of us here, actually all of us here, we live in American Western culture which tends to emphasize individual rights. But this attitude is in tension with mutual submission. Paul is sharing about a sense of healthy obligation and responsibility to others, to the group versus the individual. Now, I'm not saying to have blind submission all the time, but to work on our own attitudes, developing a willingness to submit to others because not submitting is naturally easier of the two choices. We really do like having it our own way. Matter of fact, Ephesians 4, verse 2, tells us what kind of character we should grow into that helps us to be able to submit to others. Ephesians 4, 2 states, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. Having the humility, patience, the kindness to submit to others in love means emotionally healthier relationships. Of course, 
you would think mutual submission would be something that commonly happens of all places in the church. But there is no perfect church because church is made up of imperfect people. Conflict happens, and pastors are not immune to causing them or receiving them. Leaders are taught to build trust and bear pain, and that pain can leave deep scars, and only love can heal that wound. I'm, I'm really excited for this coming year, 2022, because next year is our church's 100th anniversary, which is quite a milestone. And we're already making plans for a great celebration, hopefully maybe next July. So if you want to keep your calendars open then. At the 80th anniversary, we were able to bring back almost all the past pastors from our church. We publicly honored them with gifts and words of appreciation. And some of the pastors on stage teared up as we poured our love onto them because pastoral ministry, their ministry, is hard and difficult. To love people is what we are called to do. And when people feel loved, they can heal from wounds and scars that they have. Transformation can take place. Jesus instructs us in John 13, verse 35, one of my favorite verses. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Can we do that? Truly love one another. Can we remember to check ourselves to be sure our words and actions actually love the other person? We love God for God to be seen. We love uh, we love people for people to feel loved. And lastly, we serve the world for lives to be changed and ultimately, hopefully, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And we serve with the spiritual gifts we have been given. Looking at Ephesians 4, verses 11 to 16, I read those verses now. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In this passage, Paul lists what are known as leadership spiritual gifts, which are, again, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Notice there is no gender or age requirement for having these leadership gifts from God. Men and women, young and old, are to use the gifts given out at the sole discretion of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of equipping God's people for the works of service. Our name 
Christian layman church means laymen and laywomen are the ministers and not spectators watching the staff and pastors do all of the work. According to Paul in chapter 4, verse 11, pastors are to prepare the people for the work God has prepared in advance for them to do. Everyone needs to use the gifts God has given them to build up his church. And verse 16 emphasizes each part does its work. When one part is not working, the whole body suffers. And some of us know things about cars. When one spark plug is out, the engine will will run rough, sputter, and misfire. So I want to encourage you to discover your spiritual gifts if you haven't already. Take a spiritual gift inventory. There are plenty of them online. They don't cost anything. They're very easy to do. And when you find out your spiritual gifts, answer this following question for yourself. What work, what works of service has God prepared me to do for him? My desire is that our church not be known for our pastors or for our worship, but instead for her members, you, the people. When the people of this church are working together to serve the world, it is the most beautiful sight. And this can happen at any of our events here at CLC. And for example, like our ice screenings. Normally, in past years, during this time, in the month of July, a lot of times we're ramping up, mobilizing for an ice screening. But unfortunately for uh, last year or this year, we've had to cancel them due to the pandemic. But hopefully, we can resume next year, and we are already praying and exploring having another ice screening in 2022. When God is seen and when people feel loved, then the conditions are set for life change to happen. And we have many examples of that at our past ice screenings, like this one story from our last screening in 2019. Um, Dr. Gilbert Matsuyoka, he's the man who is the champion of our ice screenings. He's the visionary. He called me over that year to have a photo op with these two people that he had met. The way they were behaving towards each other, I thought they were a dating couple. They were hugging each other, they were smiling and being really cuddly. But later, when I told, when I was told the backstory, and it's not that brothers and sisters can't, can't do this, they were, uh, I was told that they were siblings. When this sister and brother first came, they basically wanted to tear each other's heads off. The sister was ready to kick her unbearable brother out of the apartment and onto the streets. And this brother, when he arrived, was angry and argumentative. He was likely under a lot of stress, thinking he was going to be homeless soon. There's a good reason why at our ice screenings, one of the first tents that we have, it's the prayer tent, where people can receive prayer. So our prayer team prayed for this sister and brother for the Holy Spirit to do his work. As this young man was going through the ice screening, 
as members of our church loved him in the name of Christ as they served him, his demeanor and heart gradually softened. By the end, he was a totally changed man. Once angry, he is now smiling and thanking everyone. His sister, when leaving, departing, she hugged the prayer team who had prayed for them earlier, and she thanked them and told them, I don't know what happened in there, but my brother is a different person now, like night and day. So what did happen? When God is seen, when people feel loved, lives will be changed. And that is my hope for our church, wherever and whenever, over and over again. Whether reaching out on the college campuses, working with our nonprofit ministry partners in our workplaces, schools, neighborhoods, and even overseas. Earlier, I shared my personal rally cry. Whatever we do, let's do it together. Whether we fail or succeed, we're in it together. And wouldn't that be amazing if that was true for our entire church? Being a follower of Jesus means not being a lone ranger. We are meant to be together as one body. As we are slowly coming back together in person again, we will intentionally need to overcome that inertia that due to social distancing this past year and a half. But remember, there is power that is unleashed when two or more gather in Jesus' name, a power that comes through the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is active to do his work, Life change can happen. Encounters with God can be real because Jesus promises to meet with us when we gather in numbers. Earlier, during the first set of worship, being here gathered with you, singing the the songs, I actually teared up. I felt the emotions and feelings what it means to be a body together again. And so I know I, I, I know we have people watching online, but I encourage you to come back and join us to experience what it means to gather two or more because Jesus will be with us. And God will watch and see and be pleased, and he will bless us as we gather. My big idea is this. Let us together love God for God to be seen, love people for people to feel loved, and serve the world for lives to be changed. When we were planning for this sermon series, I mentioned that two songs came to mind. We chose A Whole New World, which is from the movie Aladdin. So let me tell you about the other song that came to my mind. Now, please don't judge me. I am a fan of K-pop. So one of my favorites is a legendary girl K-pop group, Girls' Generation. And their debut song in 2007 was titled, Into the New World. This song became a great hit for them and became a standard for up-and-coming trainees to cover this song. And it was not only big in the entertainment industry, this song was adopted as an anthem by protest groups demonstrating in Korea, Thailand, and other parts of Asia. The lyrics speak about when having hardship and sadness, facing the unknown future, 
that through thick and thin, we will be together. This legendary song's chorus goes like this. I leave behind this world's unending sadness. In the many unknowable paths, I follow a dim light. It's something we'll do together to the end, into the new world. My friends, as long as we have each other with Jesus as our light, we have nothing to fear. And that's what our church of CLC should be like, going into the new world to bring a whole new world for eternity. Whatever we do, let's do it together for the glory of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to be people who love you, love people, and serve the world like your son Jesus. May the Holy Spirit guide us to bring a whole new world into our reality here on earth. Your son Jesus paid the price so that we can be returned back into your family as part of your great plan to bring wholeness back to the world. Use us to be a blessing to others as you bless us. And I pray this in the most precious name of Jesus.